And today we continue looking to our purpose at Bloomer Baptist Church and really just the purpose that you should have as a believer in Jesus Christ to, to know Christ, which was last week, and now today, which is possibly, depending on how far we get, today is the final week in this Jesus in Your Future series as we look to the vision for a new year. How should we be living this year? Who should we be looking to? We're looking to to make him known. And as we talk about to make him known, I want us to consider this question. What is a disciple? So maybe you've already seen the newsletter for this week, this month. Maybe you've seen this on Facebook, on the church website. But I just wanted to take a moment to read this to you. As throughout the past months, we've really been thinking through, what is a disciple? What are we called to do? Because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to read it from here, but I encourage you to pick up a newsletter. But this is what I've been working through. What is a disciple of Jesus Christ? For the past months, we've been working through a sermon series titled Jesus in Your Future. And as I con continue to work through my study time for this topic, I keep coming back to this question of what is a disciple? Here are a few thoughts I've thought through. I encourage all of you to really think through this thought. What is a disciple? And then compare it to your life. Being a disciple should mean that we learn from him and his ways. We are in constant fellowship with him. And as we are seeing God's commands to us in scripture, we have a changed life. But God's inspired word is meant to change our lives. We should not simply study God's word for more knowledge but instead to have a practical knowledge, which is then used in everyday living. In James 1.22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So here are a few questions I have as I think through that. Do we deceive ourselves by thinking we're good disciples simply because we go to church each week? Maybe because we read his Bible. Hopefully every day we're in his word, but... More than likely, many of us skip a few days here and there. Many of us may forget to pray here and there, not realizing the blessing we have. Or possibly, we think we're good disciples simply because we go to church every week. But there's so much more to us being a disciple of Christ, to fulfilling the commandments which he gives us. We should be all in for Jesus. To be changed in such a way that you are so passionate about him that you want to spread the love of Jesus to all of his creation. To fulfill his commandments. And at least each day you're trying harder and harder to become more like him. John 3.30 tells us, he must become greater and I must become less. Allow yourself to be changed into the likeness of Christ more with each Day. Allow the love and joy that you now have on the inside be overflowing to the outside, to those around you. Don't just be a disciple, but be a disciple who is making disciples through the equipping of Jesus Christ in your life. And I hope that this series that we've been through, that we've been talking about, Jesus and your future, will help you to think through how your future should be one which is shaped not by yourself, but by the will of God. So today we're talking about to know Christ and to make him known. We're doing that second part, to make him known, as we talk about the gospel. And I want you to consider that to be a disciple of Jesus is not simply to live each day reading his word, going to church, 
and following his commandments for yourself, but it's also following your commandments, what's how you're living in the world and how you're spreading his word, his commandments to others, how you're spreading the story of life. So if you could please stand as we're going to read from Matthew 28 this morning. I'll have it up on the board here for you as well. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we read this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. You may be seated. Thank you. Didn't make you stand too long today. There's a blessing right there, right? The gospel means good news, and it's a story that we have to share with people. But I want to focus on three things this morning that we see there. We see go, make disciples, and teach. Now, there's many other things that we also see here, but those are the three things that we're going to focus on, and baptizing will be another sermon in, in, in an, uh, for another time. But I do want you to know that is a commandment from Jesus that we should follow. We need to be baptized as a public profession of our faith. And as we're baptized, we're also fulfilling this great commission, this commandment of our Lord of Jesus Christ to go into the, all the world, to go to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. We're focusing on just these three things, though. Go, make disciples, and teach. More specifically, we've talked a lot about the new life and who you are. We've talked about to know Christ yourself and within. But today we're focusing on the how. How do we do this? It all starts with the gospel, the good news. Now, there's many different ways to do this. There's many different books out there on how to make disciples. I brought up a few here, and I purposely left them where you could see them all. And partially, it kind of drives me nuts, because I'm kind of a clutter guy. I like things to look clean, to look simple. But I wanted you to see, these, these are just a few books. But these few books would take days or weeks to work through, to read through. For some people here who read many books a night, maybe you would get them read in one night. But it would take a lot of time to meditate on these. But I've got a few here. We've got... One way of sharing the gospel is a program by Revive, and Revive is coming to Wisconsin, and it is a Bible, which is great. We're doing the real way of discipleship, just getting into the Bible, but it's marked with colors. They give you a bracelet, which tells you about life, and they've got this great idea that just wear the bracelet and get people to notice your bracelet so they can ask, hey, what's up with your bracelet with all the rainbow colors? And you tell them, oh, this bracelet tells you about life. And it's got the Romans Road on the bracelet. Well, then they have this handy little tool, the Bible. All of you have it. But they went a step further to give tabs for each color and to number them. Number one, number two, number three. They highlighted each tab. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. They gave you this great tool to make it easy to share the gospel. We've got other tools, such as just knowing the Romans, the Romans Road. It's, it's great to have all these tools, all these resources, but sometimes we get so distracted by what's the newest method or the newest thing that we fail to realize that the best way 
is to just know God's word. Know the Bible. Have the Bible with you. But you, do, you have many books about discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship, Multiply by David Platt with Francis Chan as well. I'm sorry, by Francis Chan with David Platt inputting. We've got a new book I've been reading I want to share with you called Conspiracy of Kindness. And it talks more about acts, random acts of kindness and how random acts of kindness can lead people into a relationship with Jesus. They can lead you to ask you, why are you doing these things with us? Now, I was kind of amazed at one of the first stories in the first chapter when it's sharing that they have different groups of their church that go, go all throughout the community and just do random acts of kindness. Now, he calls it servant evangelism, which is demonstrating the kindness of God by offering to do some act of humble service with no strings attached. Now, that's making it pretty fancy for, I think, what many of us just know as random acts of kindness. But he shares this story. First of all, John 13, 30, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He shares this story about how one of the groups one day was going through the local mall, and they were just offering to clean the store's restrooms. Now, that's a pretty nasty job that I doubt any of us, maybe some of you would think to do that. But I'll fully admit, I'm normally that guy that, would, that wouldn't think to do that because I'd think, oh, they're already paying people to clean their restrooms. Now, they may not be doing it, but that's their problem. They should be doing their job. So I'll admit that, but here's the story behind that. They had this group that was going in these, these malls and offering to clean these restrooms, and one of the ladies just shopping. Picture yourself just shopping, and you see this guy go up to your counter, ma'am, sir, do you mind if we clean your restrooms? We're just wanting to help people today. And this woman's like, what is going on with this? These people are just offering to clean restrooms. Well, that week, she was telling the story of what she saw to some people at work, and one of the people ends up going, he goes to that church. So he was able to tell her what they're, they're doing and why, and she said, well, I don't know, well, going into it, she said, I don't know why you're doing this, but whatever Christians are doing this, I want to know more about it. I want to know why you do this, and it led to them just talking to, to her about Jesus and how we're called to love one another and why Jesus is the ultimate example for love for us as he came and died upon the cross for us. So I see that more as a stretch of a stretch, but it's still a great book to think through how do we make disciples? How do we make him known? I'll get into those books a little bit more later. But I want us to get into this the I want us to get into the topic of stories. More specifically, the power of stories. As we see up here, the power of the story. Everyone loves stories. It's how we communicate. We love movies, plays, TV and books because we love stories. Stories have influenced us from our earliest childhood memories and they continue to shape us throughout our lives. There are lessons embedded in stories that would never train us if spoken otherwise. The power of stories. You see, stories are everywhere. What is yours? We all have stories. I have a story, you have a story. Strangers on the street have stories. The problem is we never really ask what their story is. We're so busy with our life that we just kind of keep on going. Even if we say to somebody, hey, how you doing? We keep on walking. We don't really ask, what's your story? What's going on with you today? Are you having a good day? Today, I want us to talk about how do we use a story 
to share the gospel of Christ. And I'm going to share a story that from my life, a journey that I went through and that I learned on a trip to Chicago. So I've been able to talk to a few of you about this individual, and I've just been looking forward to the day I get to share with you this pool story and this training. And there's so much more to do because this Chicago training, this Chicago trip I did was a week-long trip. But we went to Chicago. I led a mission trip with a group of teens. In fact, there were five of us. It was a smaller trip, but it, the stories that came out of this are amazing. So let me just share with you first. Every morning, we went in, and we're at Moody Bible Institute. Every morning, we went into classrooms, to seminars, and we're able to learn how do we share our faith and how do we defend our faith. How do we bring up the conversation of the gospel in everyday conversation? Now, this would be great to just increase our knowledge, but as D.L. Moody said, the Bible is not given to increase, to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. So the question is now, how do we apply this to our life? Now, this is where I, I really think this mission trip was worth the while. I mean, it's great to just learn more about how to share our faith and how to defend it. But in the afternoons, we would leave Moody Bible Institute. We would follow the buses. We would follow the trains, the subways. New stuff to me coming from Ohio. We didn't have trains or subways where I was at. You don't have them up here. But maybe some of you have been to Chicago. But here's the point. In the afternoons, we went out on the streets, and we talked to people. We shared with them stories, and we talked to them about Jesus. We put this newfound knowledge to the test. And I had, man, I was able to see some great stories as I led a group of teens with Kenny, Caleb, Samantha, and Elijah. I was able to see teens walk up to people and just ask them, hey, how's your day going? What's your story? And it led into, they taught us how to lead into a gospel conversation. To just start, at the time, they were going through the World Cup soccer series. And we would just start talking about soccer. Hey, did you see that soccer goal last night? I didn't see any soccer goals, so I avoided that. I don't generally watch much of that. But they would start talking about soccer, for instance. And, man, that was a saving goal that that player made. Well, then he really saved the game. You know who else saved, saves the game for us? Jesus. He saves us. Anyways, they taught us how to have gospel conversation. We tried doing that for a little bit, to have these transitional statements. But to be honest, maybe I'm more of a direct guy, maybe more of a confrontational guy. I ended up finding that it was easier for me and my group to just walk up to people and say, hey, what do you believe happens to you when you die? <laughs> maybe that sounds a little morbid, but it got people talking. Believe it or not, people were more talkative with us when we would just come up and ask them a direct question than trying to make this conversation. And I think all of us can, can appreciate that. We think, who's this awkward guy on the subway trying to talk with me? I got my headphones in, I'm listening to my music. But when we're asking a direct question, they were, they were able to talk with us. Now, we eventually started just quizzing people, surveying people and saying, hey, we're just surveying people. We're staying at Moody Bible Institute this week for a conference. And I just wanted to ask you, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in Jesus? What do you think happens when you die? Do you think there's hope for this world today? There's many different questions we would ask. One of my teens, Kenny, I'll share this quick story, and then I'll move on. One of my teens, Kenny, got into a conversation with a devout atheist. Somebody who didn't believe in God, and I say atheist 
because he he debated and and I don't want to say argued because it was a good debate it was a healthy debate he debated with this man for 30 minutes that God is real that Jesus died on the cross and that he believes the story to be true and after 30 minutes this atheist man said you know what you brought up some good things I'd never thought about and I'm gonna go home and look at the Bible and I'm gonna reevaluate my faith <clears throat> All because he didn't just shy away from doing it at all. And all because he didn't, the moment the man said, you know what, I'm an atheist, he didn't walk away. But he continued to talk to him. Now, there's some times when we don't need to talk to him continually. We need to just appreciate that, let him know, hey, I'll be praying for you. I hope that someday you're, you're able to see the truth in this. But this man, Kenny, was able to talk to him all the way through. And the man so much appreciated his dedication. It's like that quote I've shared before by Penn and Teller that, you know what, I want to believe in Jesus. But if you really felt what was tr that what you have is true, you'd be out telling people, talking to people. It's like that. This man thought, wow, here's a man that believes so much in what, what he has is true that he's willing to talk to me for 30 minutes. It was amazing. I was so proud as a youth pastor at the time. But we, we look back to Matthew 28, 18 to 20 this morning. And to get back into this, we see, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We start this morning by focusing on go. Go and make disciples. And just as my group here was purpose, we had a plan to go and to make these disciples, to go and to share the good news, the gospel. I feel we also need to learn from this. That first command is to go. Unless we're purpose to go, a lot of times it's not going to happen. So the first step in making him known is to be purpose and to go. And make disciples. But again, how? How do we make these disciples? It all starts with the gospel. Propaganda, a music artist, has a poem. One of those spoken word poems, almost like a song. And one of the lines goes like this. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. It's kind of convicting. We have this story in front of us, us this true story. This godly inspired story that's hardly ever told told we read it every day or we're supposed to or we should but do we talk about it every day do we share it every day it's the good news god's redemptive plan for us jesus christ we as we read in romans 1 16 for i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek Matthew 22, 36 to 39, we have the greatest commandment Jesus spoke of. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to, to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 3, Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And lastly, for this slide, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. These are scripture references, verses I think we all know, we've all heard before, but are we actually telling the story? We have a story to tell. And the story talks about how did it all begin? What went wrong? Can we fix it? Is there any hope? What can I do? What will the future hold? So I had a particular man who didn't agree with our mission trip to Chicago. He thought mission trips in the, in the States are, are a waste of money. It's worthless. Everybody in the United States knows who Jesus is. He thought we should only go on mission trips overseas. And I disagree with that. Mission trips over the seas are very important as well. It's great, but we also need to go into our cities, not just Chicago, but in Bloomer as well, because a lot of times it takes a personal relationship, somebody personally to go up to them and talk to them, to share this story. So as we were at Chicago, and as they talked about, to us about how to share about Jesus, they told us two things. They told us about the gospel. They gave us this little card, which has the gospel acronym, G-O-S-P-E-L. And each letter stands for something. You're going to see each one of these on the slide. But what they also said is each letter has a question which can lead into talking about the story, talking about Jesus, talking about the gospel. So each one of these leads something you can talk about with that person. You can talk to somebody randomly while you're on a subway in a taxi. Not going to happen in Bloomer, is it? But you can walk up to somebody. I've had a lot of people on Main Street just walk up to me and start talking to me about my day. As I start talking to them, you can ask them, hey, let me ask you a question. How do you think it all began? Do you believe in creation, that God created everything? Or maybe you can talk about what went wrong. Can we fix it? And each one of these leads into one of the letters explaining the gospel. Now, the reason why I love this gospel message is it all starts with G. It all starts with God. God created us to be with him. Now, this one goes along with the question, how did it all begin? The other thing I love about this way of sharing our faith is it's very natural and it's biblical based. It starts with the beginning in Genesis 1. God created us to be with him. We will tell him that God created all of the universe and everything in it, including the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And he created us with a purpose and a purpose to have a relationship with him to fill the earth with their offspring, the mission of taking care of the earth and tending to the garden. God made them to be in complete fellowship with him and with each other. Their nakedness represented the fact that they had no sin and therefore no shame, therefore nothing to hide before God or each other. They had a right relationship with each other and a right relationship with God. That's what we focus on with the G is we talk to them about how God created us to have a relationship with them. From the very beginning of time, God desired a relationship with us. But that, that leads us into talking with them about Genesis. 126. We are created in the image of God. Did you know that? You have value. You have importance. You have a purpose and a mission. We are created for relationship. That alone, just talking about the G, leads you into talking about Jesus. That's what's great about this. With the gospel message, 
which stands for God our sins, paying everyone life. God our sins, paying everyone life. You can start at any single one and talk about Jesus. God created us to be with him. But you know what? Our sins take us away from Jesus. But those sins can be paid by Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For by him all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. But the G naturally leads into the O. R. Our sins separate us from God. And when Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and thereby sinned, they immediately became aware of their error, of their problem. And they hid in the garden. They knew what was wrong. They knew they committed a sin. They knew that they, they did something against God's will, against God's commands. God gave them one result, and God confronted them. Even though they hid, God knew where they were. It's kind of funny that you can think you can hide from God. But as a result of their sin, there were immediate and future consequences. Some of these were being banished from the garden, having difficulty in childbirth, and our work turning from a joy that we love to a job that we hate. Future consequences of physical death and spiritual death, their souls became immediately polluted by sin and selfishness. And through Adam, every person ever born is born deprived and depraved Deprived of God's fellowship and depraved to the core. Our sins separate us from God, guys. And we, rem we can remind people. Well, first of all, we can ask them, what went wrong? Again, every letter has a meaning. Our sins separate us from God. But it also has a question, what went wrong? Guys, what went wrong? If God created this world to be so perfect and the a Adam and Eve and the beautiful garden, what went wrong? Or maybe you just talk about the world today. Wow, turn on the news today. And wow, what's going on today in the news? Did you see the news? What went wrong? Now they'll give you some answers and you're, you'll be able to say, you know what? I think I know what, wrong, what went wrong. I think it's all because we're sinners. And our sins separate us from God. But sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Allow me to ask you a question. Can I fix it? Every time I, think, I hear that, I think of Bob the Builder. Maybe some of you guys have shown that show to your kids before, Bob the Builder. Can he fix it? Yes, he can. But we can't fix it, guys. It's only God that can fix it. It's only Jesus that can fix it. In Genesis 4 through Malachi 4, sin is represented in how people try to fix it on their own. But how good is good enough? God sets the standard. God is holy in standard. And he sets the standard. God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Not to save them from their sin, but to show them that they couldn't live up to his perfect standards on their own. There's nothing we can do to be good enough, to be worthy enough, to be saved from our sins. But God saw their righteous deeds like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us. Even the best of their good deeds were corrupted by selfish motives. Even things we do today to try and avoid sin, to avoid death, is contaminated by selfish, selfish motives. The sacrificial system was meant to point inward, upward, and forward. It pointed inward to convince you of your sinfulness. And if you're honest before God, then you would soon realize that you could never make enough sacrifices for your sin. It pointed forward to the ultimate sacrifice 
of Jesus, of a perfect lamb, a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice, a human sacrifice who would pay the price for sin. And that leads us to P, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. Again, guys, I, I, maybe this is seeming like a lot to you, but I really want to cover the how today. So maybe this doesn't seem so much like a sermon. Maybe it seems like a lesson. I, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's important to know something. To know that knowledge should not just be knowledge that doesn't get put to use. But knowledge should be practical knowledge, which you're able to put into everyday use. So P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Allow me to ask you a question. Is there any hope? And now we've made it through the Old Testament very easily. And now we're into the New. Paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. Romans 5, 8, yet while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. That's reassuring to people, you know, that, that's hope. That we don't have to suffer and die a lonely, e eternal death punishment eternally. But we can depend on him. When Jesus came to the earth, he came as the fulfillment of the law. And the ultimate sacrifice, he lived the perfect life that we could not live. And died in our place for our sin. When he died upon the cross, he screamed the words, It is finished. The meaning behind those words, what he meant by these three words, was that the price for our sins was paid completely. And then he rose from the dead three days after he was murdered on the cross. He was seen by over 500 witnesses on at least 12 separate occasions of the course of 40 days. Because he died, our sins are paid for eternity. It's paid entirety, entirely. We don't have to do anything else. Because he rose from the dead, we know that Jesus was who he claimed to be, God in the flesh. And he gave this, us all this evidence, all this proof by being seen by over 500 witnesses. Let's review here. God's justice requires that sin must be punished. We've covered that. Sin separates us from God. Jesus took our place, paying for our sin, through his death on the cross. Jesus conquered death, rising from the grave. But here's the thing. There's still something else we need to do. We can't just, just have that knowledge and not do anything with it. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. We need to trust in him. Now, maybe I'm preaching at you now and telling you you need to trust in him, but I guess where I started this message is to show you how. So this is what you should be telling other people. I should remind myself and remind you this. We need to tell everybody else, you know what? Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And again, the question, what can I do? What can you do? As you're talking to people and you can talk to people and say, hey, what can you do to have life in this world full of pain, full of death? You can tell them, I know what you can do. You can accept Jesus. You can trust in him alone as your Lord and Savior and have faith in him. Know that this is a free gift. You can never do enough deeds. You can never do enough good work to be worthy of it. But it's a free gift and through faith alone and not by any of our good deeds. Jesus paid the price for our sin when he died and rose again. Now, here's something I want to focus on for just a moment. I know it says everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Some people in here might want to argue that point of everyone. 
depending on Arminian beliefs, Calvinistic beliefs, whether you believe in, in God choosing those, God predestining those who choose. But here's a quote by Charles Spurgeon that I love to quote, and I actually didn't write it down. I think I have it memorized enough to at least give you the example. Charles Spurgeon once said that if God would write some type of letter on every person's shirt tail to indicate who is predestined, then I would focus on those people. I would go up pulling every shirt up to see who is predestined so I can talk to them about Jesus. But he doesn't. So I'm going to tell everybody I can and let God sort out who is and who is not. We can't focus on, oh, I don't want to talk to that person because he's mean to me or because I don't like him or because he's not a friend of mine or because he's a stranger. I don't know him. We just need to talk to everybody. It's so easy to just share a story with them. Share your story with them. Hey, let me tell you how I found life. Let me tell you my story, my testimony. Now, I like to encourage people not to just use the word testimony. Use the word story. I feel a lot of people do not know what the word testimony means. Now, you can explain it to them, but unless you were brought up in a church, unless you, you know these Christian terms that we know so well, they're not going to know what you mean. Hey, would you like to hear my testimony? Testimony? What do you mean? Well, my story of how I found life. Tell them your story. The story that leads with life. Now, life with Jesus starts now. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, we will be with Jesus forever in heaven if you choose him. If you trust in him. So, again, that question is, what will the future hold? What will the future hold? How do we make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that depend on him and trust in him with the future hope, the hope of a future with him? There's a few things I want you to focus on. One is we need to get to this last point. You can start anywhere on in this. God, our sins, paying everyone life. That's a great thing about this. Again, you can start anywhere. The other great thing is say you only have 30 seconds. You can say the whole gospel to somebody in 30 seconds, and they have all these neat little cards to help you. But God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. I just gave the whole gospel in about 10 seconds. So I want to get on to the next point, though. You need to ask people. Don't just end here, but actually tell them, do you want to trust in Jesus today? So often we avoid that final step because it's somewhat easier to just talk to people and tell them what you feel than to then ask them the confrontational question of, what do you feel? What do you believe? Do you want to trust in Jesus? Do you already know of Jesus? Ask the final question and let them know, hey, life with Jesus can start now. But the, another thing I want to talk about is teach. And that's really the reason I brought up all these books, is to show you that there are so many books out there. And to be a disciple who makes disciples, it is important to remember that the work does not stop after you share the good news. We must teach and build up one another. That's where I brought up this booklet by Revive Ohio. 
I, I'm sorry, Revive is a national thing, but came to Ohio, and I was able to help with, that, with it. Now it's coming to Wisconsin. Revive is the one that has that Bible, which is tabbed for the Romans Road. But the reason why I love Revive is because after you bring somebody to accepting Jesus, they don't stop there. They say, get the person's contact information. Let them know that we want to connect you with the church. We want to connect you with somebody in your community who can meet with you. And then they give you a discipleship manual, which is directly connected with the book, so that each week, every other week, or every other month, every month, you can get together with these people and disciple them. The commandment by Jesus that we see in the Great Commission here doesn't just end with go. It ends with go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Teach them to follow the commandments. A lot of times we, we just leave them on their own. We leave them out to dry and we, we talk to them about Jesus. And maybe we don't even ask them the final question of, do you want to trust in Jesus today? Or we ask them the final question and we say, great, awesome, have a good day. But we need to also take them that final step to help teach them, to help partner along with them and help them through life. Now, you need to realize sometimes they're not near our church. And it's okay to say, hey, let me get back with you with a local church that you're at. Do a little research. Call a few pastors. The good thing about Revive is being a national organization, when they come into a community, they partner with all the local churches of the same faith to be able to help with this, to make it happen. Now, my wife was part of this where we did a car wash at our church, and it was one of those random acts of kindness car washes. We had five different groups all around the city doing car washes during the day at the same time, so that no matter where you drove in the city, you're going to see this car wash. Free car wash. I've got a megaphone. I had a lot of fun with the megaphone. And I was just telling everybody, free car wash. It's amazing how many people look at you and say, when you say free, and they still think you want something. So I had to actually yell at them and say, no donations accepted, totally free. We were not willing to take anything. All we wanted to do is show people love. We just wanted to help you. We would not take any donations, any money at all. We had people who would literally just toss money out the window as they were driving off just so that we would take it. But that was the only way we'd take it if they literally forced it like that. But we, we were able to talk to people as they're standing there for 10 minutes. We're able to talk to them about how, hey, why are you doing this? We, want to, we just want to show the love of Christ to everyone. We want to talk to them about Jesus. And we had some people my wife was able to talk to about Jesus. And then she was able to, for about six months, she worked through one of these discipleship manuals with this person. She was able to disciple her, to teach her, to build her up. To build her up to know what it really means to be a disciple. And then to get to the point of herself being able to meet with people. To be able to talk to people herself. But here's the thing. I put my Bible here. Okay, I wanted to remember to say this. We should not get so focused on so many books, so many training manuals so many ways of sharing our faith or ways to disciple people that we lose sight on the idea that we can just sit down with somebody for coffee and just open up the Bible anywhere and just start reading with them and talking about it. Talking about God's commands to us. That's what discipleship is all about. It's not just about going to church. It's not just about reading the Bible every day. 
It's not just about living the commandments in your own life, but it's about taking it to other people. And as we read this, go and therefore make disciples of all nations, we realize that we also need to teach them and to observe all that I have commanded you. But what's great is we have this final quote from Jesus here. I am with you always to the end of the age. And as you fulfill his commandments to go, make disciples and teach, we need to remember that you are never alone. I like to talk about Revelation. The book of Revelation, my very first lesson ever teaching, it says those who study this word will be blessed. You're blessed just by reading it. And yet we avoid it because there's so much confusion or it's so hard to, to think through. But you'll be blessed. Well, here we have another reminder like that. That as we're fulfilling God's commandments, God's word, and as we look to Jesus and our future, we see that we're never alone. Jesus is with us. He's with us to help us. And as we rely on him for guidance, for help, we fulfill the commands of Jesus, the Great Commission, we make him known. That's what I have for you guys today. I hope you learned something about it. I hope that you use your story and the stories that God has given you in his word to make him known today, tomorrow, and forevermore. To talk about the gospel. Again, how simple it is. God desires a relationship with us. Our sins separate us from him. Sins cannot be repaid by good deeds. But paying the price for sins, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone can trust in him. And life starts today. You know, this isn't my idea. This actually came from Dare to Share Ministries on this mission trip. And they're the ones that have all these great resources. But what I like about it and why I shared it with you today is I feel it does a great job of combining all these methods. It's biblical-based from Genesis to Revelation. It shares the Romans road. It shares random acts of kindness and just talking with people. It shares using our testimonies, our stories. Talk to people about Jesus. Make him known. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the new opportunity every day that we can make you known, that we can glorify you in the little actions we take each day. You know, we like to focus on New Year's Eve and making new choices for a new year, but the great thing about you, Lord, is you forgive. And you forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west. You cast them into the sea, and we, they are no more. We want to dwell on them, but you do not. You just want to see us desire to have a future with you, desire to trust in you, Lord, and to look for a future which is your will and not just our own selfish will. Help us today to make you known. Amen.